Hello, everyone, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. BST, live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream, where we record all our podcasts. And it is time for episode version 2.10. Scope it up, furball. Totally named by Chris this month, or month this week. But yes, anyway, I'm Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by one of the coolest and most down-to-earth, laid-back, speaking-mind individual, Chris Seabach. Oh, thank you very much. Once again, we didn't. I didn't plan any of that, but thank you very much, Josie. And a big hello to everybody in Twitch chat. Please do get involved, as always, and we will read out any uh, relevant comments and anything that's, any questions that you have about the show. We've, we've got quite a... a decent content for tonight we've got quite a lot of show notes so quite looking dense. forward to this yes <laughs> it's all dense um but yes and before we get going as always we have our icebreaker question and this week <clears throat> it is from me we let chris go last week and i decided he asked a deep and intellectual question last week about emotions i think this week it's my turn to ask something deep and thought-provoking so i have a question for you chris would you rather always say anything that was on your mind or never speak again? Well, I think that's asking me that question is very silly. Of course. I, I mean, I love the sound of my own voice, don't I? So, I mean... <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> no, honestly, no. I think, I think, I personally think that there's a way to say something. Um, and I've learned to say things better than I used to. I was a lot more abrupt um, as a child uh, and as a, a teenager and as a young tw early 20s and a late 20s. Basically, after 30, I figured out how to speak to people and not be uh, <laughs> insulting. Um, but I feel like I'm actually on the other side of the fence now and I feel like I'm much better at calming people down and, and reassuring people and making people feel better about themselves, which I think I think is a good, a good way to be in, in general. Yeah, I would always, always say everything that's on my mind, but it's how you phrase it that's important. Yeah, but see, you don't get that choice. It is even the random thoughts of you saying something along the lines of, I need to make certain I phrase that that outfit looks really bad on you in a polite and tactful way. I'm going to, like, it is absolutely anything. Oh, just verbal diary, just everything that comes Basically, to your mind. Oh, okay. Yes, um, yes still. Absolutely. I'll yeah. deal with the consequences. People see, with Tourette's right don't, with have that, don't have that option, do they? Well, it depends on what kind of version they have. But you but, get the point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for me, I definitely would um, rather say absolutely everything that's on my mind. I mean, granted, someone will turn around and go, well, you could just write down what you want to say if you just never spoke again. But it's not so much about hearing the sound of my voice so much as, like you, I, I absolutely love the sound of my voice. In this particular case, it's more a matter of making certain that even if it takes me 20 minutes to get around to what I'm trying to say to somebody because I'm thinking my way through it verbally, I would rather have that opportunity than be denied the chance to express something to somebody. Mm. And I think, I think you get, the more you talk, the better at it you get as well. And the more succinct you become at getting your point across. Yes. Again, something that so I've So we learned. hope with our show. <laughs> Well, hope, yeah. I'm not saying that I, no one's perfect, but you know, I, I like to think I'm getting better. As a, in fact, if you listen to the very first show and you listen to today's show, hopefully there's a distinct difference between how I speak because I'll have learned to speak on a podcast better, or I'll have got back into uh, a better. Mm. 
DJ Chris Seabock bringing you the classics. <laughs> I'm not sure. Radio I call DJ. That. I'm not sure I can speak to myself. I've tried doing that. I'm not sure it's 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 my thing. I don't hmm. do streaming. You know, I used to tried it. Tried it. It's not. I'm not interested on my own. Oh, but streaming. Can, well, anyway, that's mm. completely outside the scope of our icebreaker. It is indeed, and today, and that is that is the the title of the show today. So we're we're talking about scope creep. Uh, which is something that affects every single business in the world, let alone software development businesses. Um, if you have a product of any description, you you have you scope. have yeah a scope of what that product <laughs> is, and a lot of the time, people try and get additional things in there and and you know make it into something more, or and that's what we're going to talk about. So we'll we'll yes. get going. Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about scope and scope creep. So as Chris says, scope is pretty much literally the, I, I i just want to say it's the scope <laughs> yeah so i think it's, to define it's, define what scope is um scope is the uh, the ability to say a thing should be this you know and this is what we'll include in it so let's say for example we are going to create a telephone a new telephone and let's say it's the old daily telephone just to make it simple rotary? There's not not yeah ro rotary there we go and the scope of that telephone is must be able to receive phone calls, must be able to, and this is requirement gathering as well at the same time, mm. must be able to make phone calls, must be green, must have 10 numbers on it, plus a hash, potentially. I can't actually remember if they had... Uh, they went up to zero. Was it just no, zero, one, zero to nine or nine? Zero, one to, it's one to, one to zero. So... And and that's that's essentially it. It didn't need to do much more than that. That's your scope. When you start saying, right, this actually needs to be a wireless device as well, on top of that, um, while you're in the process of designing it, that is what we define as scope creep. So when you're in the process of either designing it or you're in the process of when you've got past the requirement gathering, the information gathering stage, and you're either designing or creating or developing a product, that that's you know, what we what we would define as scope creep here. And again, please do tell us if you think we're wrong, but uh, I think I think we'll work on that basis. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, when it comes to scope, scope are the requirements, period. Um, that is what, that's the way it starts for me, because once you start developing your requirements, you can then start making judgment calls as to what is a priority requirement and what is not a priority requirement. And that's when you start to separate out into either different versions or you start to develop different milestones and each milestone can have its own set of features and its own set of, um, well, its own driven purposes. And then you can then branch a whole bunch of milestones together into one project. And then by the time you're done, you should have your requirements solved. However, that has never been 100% the case in any project I've ever worked on. No. No, because they problem. evolve. Yes. They now, evolve. Well, there's evolution of products, and then the, we're talking about specifically here, we try and keep this, because it, it's such a wide subject scope. I it think is. we, well, let's try and keep the scope of this podcast, sorry, <laughs> I'm really sorry, to, to, to literally to just to scope creep. Um, we've, when we, when we define a product, yes, we do all the requirement gathering stuff, and yes, we decide on the features it's going to have. But what we're talking about here is when we're doing the task, when we're actually cr uh, creating a feature 
of a software product. We, it depends on the process that you use within the company as well. If you're working on a waterfall process, you do all of that up front. You do all of the requirement gathering, the design and the, uh, and the planning and everything up front. Then you develop it. And then scope creep is usually a massive issue. When you're working in something like an agile environment where you're using a scrum process or a, a Kanban process, scope is defined as you create user stories and as you create smaller distinct features and pieces of work. And the scope is defined at the beginning of a sprint period or at the beginning of a, um, or, or even in a retrospective or something to that effect. It, it's defined by the team as things go. The thing with Agile is that when you enter into an Agile process, you do not. The reason I'm talking about this is because I'm actually doing a lot of Agile work at the moment. Yes. I'm actually doing some <laughs> implementation for one of my clients because they don't currently have a software process, so they need something in place, and it's suitable for them. The problem is when you enter an Agile process is you cannot always define the output and you can't define what that scope is going to be while you're doing it. So it's a much more flexible way of approaching scope and it's a much more flexible way of designing a piece of software, but it also means that it never really finishes. You're constantly developing it and you are constantly... So your scope is set in increments called sprints and you set your scope and then you decide what's in that particular feature, develop it, and then you go back to it. And if it needs to change, it gets put back on the backlog and then it gets reprioritized and then you bring it in at a future sprint. Maybe the next one, maybe in 10 weeks time, maybe next year, next fiscal year. It's still there, it's logged and it's managed. So that's how, you know, the difference between the two is that it's more flexible, but it's... Yeah, I mean, I think it, there is still something to be said for going up one more level because that is uh, almost a microscopic look mm. into it. Um, when we start out, like you said, your idea here is I will design brand new rotary phone. Ta-da. That is the purpose. That is the entire reason why projects, why sprints, why whatever process you choose to use exists. And still, in order for your project, whatever it is, we're going to call it Acme because Acme is just awesome. But, you know, whatever your prod or product or project or anything is going to be, there's already some kind of high level definition of what it's going to be. For mm -hmm. example, I am going to build a website. This does not mean that I am going to, you know, sit there and by the end of it, the website is not a website. It is instead a rotary phone. There is a problem. Well, that's not scope creep. That's a redefinition <laughs> of a product, isn't that's, it? Yes, that is an entire. So like, that's a whole other. The, the clues in the products. name there as well. Creep. It's basically mm. it's it's something that's been defined, and then over time, whether it's a short period of time or a long period of time, it additional features creep in or changes creep into that scope, and it beca it becomes this behemoth of a project that you didn't plan for, and that's the distinction here is that. Scope creep is something that you you haven't planned for, haven't had authorized by either your client, your users, or your stakeholders in, in whatever shape or form. And you're working on it without having approval, you know, without going through a process. Well, every project that I've ever worked on, they they can have their own different personal or personal different processes. Now 
one thing that I will state is scope creep can sometimes be thrown at you, not because you didn't plan for it, but because some bean counter in some side office with a beautiful view while you're working in the basement has decided that they're going to sell this thing with this additional feature that was never meant to be a pro a part of your your application in the first place but they've gone off and done this mm -hmm. and now it's come down the line and you're being told no you don't get more budget no you don't get more time no you don't get more resources but this still needs to be added that is also another form of scope creep it is um, and it is one of the ones that I am most familiar with. And, and it, boy, does that drive me bonkers. It happens It happens <laughs> to me quite often. So, I mean, I'm, it might even be scope creep within a role definition. You know, say, for mm. example, I've been taken on as a, a web developer or, or a technical architect or whatever. It doesn't really matter. I've been taken on with this particular role, and then I get asked to do more and more and more things. In, a sense, in essence, that is scope creep, and that is... That's the, the 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 main problem I face most of the time. It's not necessarily deliverable scope creep because I do work to deliverables occasionally, but most of the time it's to do with a particular role definition. And right, I'm coming into I don't know. Let's say to the simplest job that I do is I go into a, a company and I work off a board and I take tickets and I work on them and then I put them as done or send them to testing and QA and then they get tested and sent back to me and that kind of thing. When they start saying to me, actually, Chris, we also need you to work on the CI system as well. It's like, well, that that's fine. There's no pro I have no problem doing that, but I do. I have a problem with the scope there. And that, that to me, isn't necessarily a problem in terms of the project because they're paying me a day rate, but that's a, a legislative problem. And, and we go back to the IR35 thing for me, but I'm not going to go well, into we're, that. We're, the, we're, yeah, we're, but, we're sliding outside but, of scope. No, we're not. We're not actually, because that is that is the actual distinction of what IR35 is, is that it's scope. It's a scope problem. It's that you're being yes. asked to do things that are outside of your remit. Therefore, they have control over you or they have direction over you or some description. So it's right. a form well, of scope. It is a role. It is a role creep in definite, and you're the scoping there. But when it comes to projects themselves, you know, the IR35 doesn't impact whether you add a green paint to the telephone like you requested mm. earlier. No, no. Um, well, the the color thing again. Th this is also another thing as well with with score creep is that you can there's certain things that you can accept. If it's changing mm -hmm. a color on something and it's literally just changing some a color on something and it's not changing the texture or changing the you know adding a new graphic and all this other stuff that takes more time if it's literally changing a bit of text to do something you know a, a variable or something like that that to me is scope creep but it's not something to be concerned about necessarily if it's much bigger than that and it's yes instead of changing the color of the telephone to green we actually need to make it so it's got a, a nice bobbly feeling to it as well and and it you know it, i don't know it's got fur or something you know then then it's a problem <laughs> <laughs> a furry green rotary phone yeah I, I like i like the direction our project's going in so far let's see yeah, I mean, let's see how far out of scope we can get with this telephone by the end of the show <laughs> Yes, and this is the thing. Anytime that I have worked on a project and I've laid out the requirements for the project and I've laid out the milestones all the way down to project end to whatever it transitions into its maintenance cycle, for, for lack of a, a better term, um, there is always a sort of process uh, or a change log or a change process even to the project requirements 
itself. So if someone comes and says, well, hey, yeah, we only really want to collect some newsletter, you know, emails so we can keep people informed when our product is up to date. And I'm like, that was not originally part of the scope of our project. And this actually has an impact. But what we need to do is we need to sit down and decide, is this something that is going to be a drastic impact or not. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like in the, uh, 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 my brain just blew, managed service kind of world and the support world where someone, you know, says, hey, can we just have a change here or a slight modification here? It's that change process is also built in. And unfortunately, I know quite a few projects where they don't have that kind of um, change log built in or that change process built in, even just for the uh, individual feature or the MVP or the whatever you want to call it, MPQ or so many different names for these things nowadays, <laughs> or their version or whatever. It's There is um, a rating system that has to be applied to any change that comes in after a definition for a project has been laid bare. Absolutely. And I think that's the key, it, at least for me. And anytime I have not had a change process in place or had to work in a situation where there was no change log, that's when I started to see scope just go absolutely out the window. Yeah, because And there's... it got to the point where the programmers burned out because everyone was sitting there going, we never know when we're going to see the end of this tunnel. And it decreased productivity. Yep. So you, it this decrease morality. This is an example of um, lack of leadership or lack of uh, focus. Um, maybe lack of expectation management. Maybe maybe it's on both sides as well. Sometimes you have. Mm. Uh, I, I said doing some work for a, a client at the moment that has their expectations are, are crazy in that they don't really know what their expectations are. It's not that they have over the over expect things. Mm -hmm. It's that they dump something on somebody the stakeholders and then they expect everybody to just handle it without resources without time uh, while they've got 500 other jobs to do while they're working on something that they've agreed with them the day before you know they've got the, the stakeholders have got their their things to do and then the the operational staff essentially just left to do it without any leadership and it's it's a it it the scope is absolutely crazy in that there might be a new idea that comes in from what we mentioned earlier. Salespeople might sell something new. Salespeople will dump that on on the operational team and say, right, we need this new piece of software. Hang on, hang on. This is going to take us two years to develop this. Oh, right, so you can't have it done by next week. That's what I've told oh the client. And it's like, no, this is a brand new piece of software that we need. You know? And it's like, well, have you thought about what this is for and what business value this gives us? You know, that, that it's a... See, this, this is the thing, Chris. In both what you and I do, we're not just developers. We're not just, you know, the people behind the scenes doing the IT and all this stuff. We're also project managers. Yep. Now, we may not have, you know, our black belts and Sigma and all the other stuff that goes with it, but we have to be project managers because we have to maintain and control the expectations. However, I want to take a step back and I want us to go back into when we worked for other people and mm. we weren't just on our own because for you and I, we can draw lines in the sand and if they don't like it, 
well, they don't have to work with us. Um, However, the people who are stuck in that nine to five job and who are not given any form of power over the project itself, I'd like to investigate how we can help them out today. Up until, (laughs) until, well, there's been a few things I've mentioned that have been freelance and contract related, but contractor related, Mm. but most of the things I've said so far apply directly to working within a development team and scope slipping. Um, and again, sometimes it's it's sometimes sometimes it's a developer's fault. Sometimes someone will come up to the developer and say, "Can you just do this? Can you just those three little words?" Oh, oh, and those three words should be banned. But a lot of the time, developers are just trying to help people. That or they've got another agenda. Maybe they're trying to raise the ranks, and it's a it's a middle manager or something that I don't know. It might not even be that. It might just be a case of they ignorant to the process so they don't know what's going on they could just be nice people it doesn't really matter they just are trying to do their job and they don't realize that it's important to log these things and have a a change log it's important to go through the process and for example going back to agile going putting it on the backlog and making sure that the product owner the person who is actually responsible for this product prioritizes that backlog item and makes sure that it gets done in the right priority versus the other one, other things that are going on. Everything takes time and you only have a certain amount of time within a team. You might have five people in that team. They've only got seven and a half, eight hours a day. Uh, You can't expect them to work for longer than that. And this is, I mean, we go to the games industry and the, the, you know, the The, crunch culture and that kind of thing. That's scope Mm -hmm. issues. That's management, project management issues. It's not, and and yes, there's the public expectation there and everything else, but it's still a problem with scope and management of that scope and expectation management of stakeholders, you know? Yeah. See, the the thing that gets me is there is, there is people... (laughs) I am one of them and I have issues even in the the consulting that I do, but I know for a fact that it can be very easy to go, yeah, that's not a problem. I'll change the copy on that for you real quick. Yeah, that's not a big deal. I'll take care of that because I want to be helpful. I want to be supportive. And uh, it turns out, uh, sorry, just small notifications. (laughs) It turns out for me, I actually do more harm when I just agree to help out in that moment. It doesn't seem like it because you might have that project manager running and going, oh my God, if you could just take care of this for me really quick, I would be so thankful. I'll buy you lunch. All right. And they're gone because everyone is, you know, boots on the ground, pushing towards whatever deadline has been superfluously chosen for whatever purpose. Firefighting. However, yeah, firefighting as well. However, by being that kind individual who says yes without following through the process you actually create more work for your team Mm -hmm. you create more work for the people around you and it seems so counterintuitive at first because i'm i'm the first person to raise my go hell yes sign me up and then it dawns on me oh hell that was not the right thing to do i would rather and i'm much much as a consultant, because I am literally my only person responsible for all my projects, it's me that I hold myself accountable to. But if I am working in a team to get a project done, my first thought is always going to be, how can I make their lives easier? And the way you do that in a project is you have 
very strict control yep. over your resources, the scope, whatever you know, methodology you're using for development, you have it and you have it explained out in such a way that everyone knows where they stand. I have seen so many projects in this world of IT, software, hardware, DevOps, etc., where people who are in projects had no idea at all what was going on. They were just handed things and yep. They did it, and it, it was more firefighting than productive development or reactive, you know, reactive exactly. programming, reactive firefighting, and it's it it breeds mm. an awful culture in a in a company. The, the problem is, is a lot of the time when you put process in place, and I've been guilty of um, being resistant to process and bureaucratic processes, um, is that it, it's seen sometimes as defensive. And it's seen as awkward occasionally. But oh, it depends yeah. on how the individuals handle it. So saying no is a powerful thing, but it's also, uh, it can be a friendly thing as long as people understand why you're saying no and you're not just being obstinate. So being able to say no in the right way um, and explain to people why you've said it and explain mm. the process and explain why the processes are in, in place and... I'm going to go back to Agile. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I've been doing so much work with it that I'm. I feel like I've already done an Agile course. I've been not done that much on it. Um, that's why a Scrum Master exists in an Agile process because they evangelize and they advocate the Scrum process. What? It's so funny. <laughs> I know some people who go, "Oh, Scrum Masters! Oh, what a fake job that it isn't is!" Though, right? Once you once you know what they, it isn't a job. That's another that's another key thing. A scrum master can be anybody within your team. It can be somebody who's doing other things. I'm doing I'm I am the self-proclaimed scrum master in this team that I'm putting together because I have to be because nobody else is going to evangelize the process. And it's all about that evangelization and the advocation of scrum and agile and the principles behind it. It's about managing people's expectations and about making people understand why the process exists and how it will improve their lives and how it will improve the process and the product and the business and the expectations and the management and everything around it. And then I also do my other jobs, which are project management, development, um, various other bits and bobs, DevOps and stuff. But they're the, they're the little things that I'm, I'm the little things they're the things that i will do once i've put this process in place the scrum master part will become a much smaller role that is just ongoing maintenance of that so it's not a job you're you... developing a project to do a project absolutely I love it i am i am thoroughly enjoying this i mean every like if you listen to a few podcasts ago i was doing iot stuff and create you know i was yeah. doing impact assessments and and review writing and, and feasibility studies and, and that and before that I was writing web APIs and I'm now doing agile implementation because it's a, a problem that I've identified within the company that they need a problem that they need the it's solving and they're looking to me they, they're looking to me to come up with a solution so the scope of this taking bringing it back to, to scope is handled mm -hmm. by that process and the scope can only be set when you've got the process in place and in order to maintain that process, you need these roles in in place and these tools in place as well to be able to keep that going. Yes, and of course, when it comes to scope, 
and anything actually, including budget, time, and resources, they can be completely out of your hand. Yes. And you have to be able to roll with the punches. One of the most painful things for me to watch with a lot of my friends in the dev world is when something has changed within a project and it is drastic enough to have a huge knock-on effect to, like I said, the morality and their drive and everything else that goes with it. And it usually comes down from scope. It budget wise, a lot of people are used to squeezing things in through budget. They might, you know, decide to, uh, you know, tap an open source library instead of building one internally. Like, there's a lot of ways to work with certain budgets, and there's certain ways to work with time. What do you recommend, Chris, for people who find themselves in that situation <clears throat> where? they literally have no control over the scope because it has come from way up on high and there is nothing that can be done about it. This is the nine to fiver we're talking about here. Well, hopefully the nine to fiver, not the nine to niners, um, mm -hmm. although some of us are notorious for that. But what would you recommend they do? I mean, so many people feel like they're stuck and there is no answer there's no way to change culture or mindset or anything well that's what i was going to say it's a mindset change it's understanding that if you have no control right now again i can i can use the example of right now client i'm doing work for have zero budget the fact that i'm there is a miracle the, 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 by the, the sound mm. of the, the way that the staff are kind of asked to work, uh, it's it's a it's a very awkward situation in that the staff are in a situation where they're disenfranchised and they they need support and they need some they need some moral uh, guidance as well as some process guidance. They have been asking for things for years, years and years and years. Um, they've been asking for the things that I am now implementing in years. They ask for uh, budget. They, they. I've got an RTFM that relates to this that you'll <laughs> like today. Um, we'll get to the yeah, RTFM. Yeah, I've got a, an RTFM that relates to this. Um, but they, they essentially, they, they are at the end of their tether. They, they're very invested in the project and the, and the, the pros, uh, the, the company. They mm. love what they do but they're being asked to do things outside of the scope of their jobs all the time, constantly, because of this resourcing constraint. What I am trying to do, um, and, and I am answering your question in a, long, in a roundabout way here, what I'm trying mm -hmm. to do is trying to change the way that they're thinking about things. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a mind probe type scenario. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to manipulate them or anything, but what I'm doing Matter, is showing, yeah, showing them value by implementing and using the tools that they already have. Bear in mind that they've also been paying for for some products for years and not been using them, so they've used some, um, oh, they've God. used some um, agile tools that actually exist. They've been using parts of them, but they've been paying for at least half of the amount they've been paying and not actually been using it. So what I've started doing is putting both of the tools in place. I've linked it into things like, um, so these are management tools like Jira and Confluence and um, the, the things Slack. Things I'm well familiar yeah, with. and Slack. So <laughs> I've, I've, I've got them all to start using Slack. 
most of them so far. I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting everybody in there. I've linked Slack into the tools. And every time something happens in the tools, it gets posted into Slack and people get notified. They can see things happening. And I'm already starting to see positive mind change here. They're starting... When I did my consultation initially, they were very much, we've asked for this. We've been told that it'll happen at some point. It's five years later, nothing's happened. Maybe they've had the wrong people in place. Maybe they haven't had the right leadership. Maybe they haven't had... But it's my job. And I feel, I feel like I have to help them you know I well feel like you're also being paid to help them i'm being too. paid but a lot of people in my position right now i have absolutely because of the way the company works i have absolutely no reporting requirements whatsoever i can just sit here for five days a week and do lit very little get paid for it and they wouldn't really i mean i, I could i could hack neither my way one of us it. can actually do that no but what i'm saying is the way that the company works is i could probably get away with a lot of stuff I haven't, I mean, I've been working full, you know, full hours, seven and a half, eight hours a day on getting software in place, resourcing people, speaking to people, speaking to third parties, engaging with the existing staff, explaining to them why I'm doing things, being transparent with them and being visible with them. There's none of this behind the cover, uh, behind the scenes talking uh, about what is going to happen. It's asking the stakeholders what they want, what their goals are, and then figuring out what I'm going to do to implement that and then engaging the staff and getting their investment in it and making sure that they're comfortable. And if they're not comfortable, why aren't they comfortable? What can we change to make them comfortable? You know, right. There has to be some limits there. So again, this is all scope management. This is all making sure that they understand what the scope of the project is. And again, that's a, I'm, I'm right. But, but again, this, this goes back to you're that individual who has lost drive. You're that individual who has been asking for five years. Your company has not brought on Chris Seabock. You are floating in a mire of muck and it's really disheartening. And what do you recommend? What do I recommend in that situation where you don't have a Chris Seabock to solve all your problems? <laughs> yes. Or a Josie Howarth. I, I'd also do the project management side, just saying. I, I've helped people get back on Confluence Jira a bit, but like, anyway. But anyway I mean, it's not just the tools. It's, it's everything. There is it's literally everything that needs to change. It's the workflow. It's, it's yeah. the whole kit and caboodle. But anyway, go on, go on. My, yes, without, my advice, without us. My advice is to leave that company and find another company. I'm sorry, but if you're in such a horrible situation where they're not listening to you, there's no budget, you can't do things right, and you're just getting things dumped on you, and there's no, and you've asked and you've asked, and it's five years later, and there's no visit. I'm sorry, but I, I cannot physically see a way around that unless you change your expectations individually and you understand that you're never, it's never going to change, or you start being more obstinate in that you say, right, this is what you've asked me to do here. It requires communication skills with your stakeholders. It requires being firm and having confidence in yourself as well and being able to say to them, I cannot do all of the stuff that you're giving me to do. I need more resources and I need them now because you've asked me to do this next week and I've got two weeks to do it. And it's going to the same thing that's happened four or five times before when you've asked me to do things, I don't have enough time. I can't. I mean, what 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 do you recommend, Josie? What, am I saying the right things? Am I? I mean, what what are your experiences? Well, see, in that? I don't 
don't know why you're asking me if that's the right thing. I think it's so individual. I know people who are quite content to be in that environment and they just enjoy complaining. You know, yes. in that case, you know, <laughs> rock your hats off, have fun. That's not a place I want to be because no. I want to enjoy my day-to-day -day living. Um, and I know some people who literally don't really have a choice because of their location. They are so remote. Trying to find something else just really wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, so I know the people who are stuck because they have to be stuck. And I know the people who are stuck because they enjoy complaining about being stuck. You know, when you're on those sides of the equation, you're going to have different resources and options for you. If you enjoy the drama, have fun. I hope I never work with you. It's just a personal thing. I like to be able to go in and get stuff done. I tend to find people who like to just whine, complain instead of taking action tend to be the ones who actually drag project time. And that just gets to me. But um, for the people who feel that they're completely and utterly stuck, start trying to feel your way around to see if there's a way to change. And if there isn't, you may have to move locations. You may have to just go away. One of the worst feelings, and this is for me, I mean, you, Chris, would have no problem with something like this. For me, it's the relationships that I have with the other developers who I'd feel I'm letting down if I were to walk away or, mm -hmm. you know, leave them in a bind or a lurch. There's this emotional, visceral, guttural thing to me that's like, no, I must be there to suffer with you so that you are not alone. No, I must be there to make certain that we get the project done. Because if I walk away, all of a sudden, whatever I was working on 18 hours a day is now on your shoulders. Yep. And it's a horrible, horrible feeling. I understand but camaraderie. Some point, but at some point, you're either going to break or you're going to find yourself just literally you're just going to break if you just stay in a situation like that choices have to be made and i highly recommend and this is just me speaking from personal experience feel free to walk away and start your own shindig you've got skill sets people feel free to use them yeah. but i also say if you're going to walk, I have walked out the door with like eight other people and we all just looked at each other and went, yep, none of us are going back. So there are certain ways to work <laughs> or not work with that, but don't let yourself feel stuck. There no. are going to be options. And when it comes to scope creep, there are a few ways to handle it. One, tell your project manager, no. <laughs> and Repeatedly. And, yeah. <laughs> if you've got a project manager. Oh, good God. I hope you have a project manager. You are the project manager. On, only because I, I foisted that upon them. That's the thing. Anyway, we, we're getting well, well away from, from scope here. We are, uh, we are, we are well, having a little bit of an RTFM on our, <laughs> in the middle of the show, aren't we? That's the thing. The thing is, when people find themselves in a situation dealing with scope creep, and it's going to have a knock-on effect to their emotions. And it's going to cause the morale thing. So in a way, it's still kind of related. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, I think recognizing when these things are happening and even recognizing when scope creep is, is that occurring. That can be really hard. Yeah. Um, it can be incredibly insidious. It's that 
it's it's it goes back to this like helpful developer or helpful person like yourself, Josie, who who wants to do the right thing but doesn't necessarily realise mm-hmm. that they're actually harming the situation, you know, by helping in that instance. That I oh God, I can't say it enough. I used to be a really awkward developer in that I hated all things to do with the process. I just I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that the code needed to be written in this way and it needed to be done now and priorities didn't matter to me. I had no interest in what the bigger bigger fish in the company were doing. I I just this this was my job, you know. I've also worked in places where it was my job to do that and make all those decisions as a junior, you know, or as a as a developer. I was you know, a junior when I look back, but it was still a situation where I had nobody really managing me. We had no process in place. We just had, there's a bug here. Can you fix it? You know? Yeah. There's a million different ways to handle all of this. Um, well, one of the things, and <laughs> I take my hat off to poor tool Tefe, says, I have a project manager on paper only. And you've just described another situation where it was, you weren't managed. And I mean, even now you're describing with a, a situation where, you know, you've had to foist a role into existence in order to make what you've been hired on to do feasible. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to me that it's so common Nowadays, for me, back in the day, there was always a project manager or someone else who was responsible. The only times that I really started to not see a project manager exist is when I actually came into the role, when I was project manager. So I haven't had the experience of working without that sort of structure in place. Hmm. I, I... Have and I've also been in places where project man a lot of places where project managers haven't been worth the salt. They they've been project okay, managers by see, title only. Yeah, I, I, I one of the most dangerous things to any project is a bad project manager. In fact, Till Tepper has just said exactly that. He said, "I have a project manager on paper, paper only." That's what I just said. So, and it, it, it's just <laughs> I. That's I've, what I. Sorry, I was messing with my headphones because I have I had an issue. I couldn't hear. I can only hear you in one ear and then no ears. And oh, sorry, um, that's okay. The the it's difficult to work as a software developer, especially when you know what needs to be done um, in the process without a process in place, and the scope yeah. will inevitably creep. It will inevitably become this monolith that you can you can't control this this behemoth that's rolling down a hill towards certain disaster um with no tracking with no documentation with no um the, with no definition of requirements with no definition of what the product actually is oh. you know not necessarily just requirements yes. the situations have been in where we've not actually known what the product is supposed to do or what the output of the product is supposed to do current client client included and it's a it's a mad situation. It's a it's a I just can't I can't get it. But that's the that's the problem I have to solve. You know, um, it's the the scope creep. Um, one of the things that can actually cause scope creep that we didn't make mention of, and it's only hit me with your comment. Of course, scope creep can come about when you don't fully understand what it takes to implement a requirement. It, yes, I mean not understanding. 
not understand what it would take. But see, that's the thing. Usually when you start a project, you do your feature requirements or you do your requirement gathering, you, you basically label out and you build a structure, we'll say a box, and that box is what will contain all of the features. Mm -hmm. When those features get implemented is decided within the project itself. Whether you decide to go agile or you decide to do a different methodology, doesn't matter. Point is, you have your set of feature requirements. And I have seen projects where it's, hey, we're going to have X feature. And in order to make X feature happen, we need Y and Z. And then when Y and Z go to get done, someone goes, oh, in order to implement Y, we need A, B, and C. Because it was underestimated as to what was required to do it, or something changed where you couldn't use Y anymore. And in, in order to implement it, you actually have to use a backup, which was never going to be on the tables, but out of nowhere, one of the software libraries you're using blew up or something. Mm -hmm. Like I have seen some horrible, horrible things happen with that. And that can actually cause unintended scope creep, but it can that's happen. That's not scope creep really though, to me, that's, it, that's it a, can be. that you're not, that's a, that's a, that's a project changing because of of outside influence that's not scope creep scope creep but is see, that's that's not always it like when you worked on your very first software project yeah do you know and could you have properly estimated what it would take to do that software project of course not because i was totally inexperienced i had no idea about process scope project managers, business analysts, or any, I didn't, I didn't understand anything to do with it. I just knew how to write and hack some code out. And if you have an individual who just so happens to be working in a company and the company turns to them and says, Hey, you know, a little bit about web development, right? They're like, yeah, I know HTML. Can you knock out a website for us? All of a sudden they start out somewhere. All of us start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And when they come up with what they think is the right way to do their project, whether it's the creation of a website for that one individual who then somehow becomes their IT security manager or something like that. <laughs> You've seen that happen, Chris. This is yep. why I bring it up. Um, or what have you. I have actually seen that create a scope creep because they start going, oh, I'm investigating more on how to do this. And thus I'm going to add this and this needs to be added as well. And this needs to be added as well. And this needs to be added as well. And then when they go to do it, they go, oh no, now I have to do this, this, and this. It's, it's a learning process. Mm -hmm. So I was just bringing it up because yes, it can happen. And yes, I've seen it actually develop into scope creep, but yes, you're right. It is also a big part of just project changes in some cases, including outside third party changes, having an impact. You can't necessarily, you can't necessarily control. I mean, you can't control any project and that's why we have processes in place <laughs> in order to, in order to manage each type of thing that might happen. Why is agile called agile? Um, well, supposedly so we can be flexible. <laughs> <laughs> because all of the other project management platform, not platforms, but um, foundation structures and methodologies, yeah, um, were very rigid mm -hmm. and it couldn't work within the world that development actually is in. And that's which the is thing, the, the expectation a lot of the time yeah. is that we, t as a stakeholder or a product owner, we tell you that we want this product, you go off and design it, you go off and, and pl plan mm. it then you start writing it and it's out there and it's done. And it's like, no, because it's such a massive complicated, it's like, it's like trying to yeah. build, um, build a, a, 
a entire housing estate or um, a, a, a business park or you know trying to build a map. I'm trying to think of the biggest building site on the world and I can't something you know so trying to build a Taj Mahal or something like that you know it's not going to go as planned you might have an idea of how it's going to look and how it's going to look at the end and how it's going to function but then you realize oh hang on we haven't we haven't considered that the ground that we're working on isn't we can't dig further than 100 meters because we can't see 100 meters down you know it's it's solid granite down there and we need to get new machinery in that's a problem within the project that yes it will derail you but stakeholders need to understand that that's going to happen with software you get involved with a, a new api or get some new developers on that maybe don't have the right skills or something and it, it's humans you know humans are yeah. changeable and that's the that's why processes well, exist technology also changes as well i mean have have you ever it's slight off topic but i just have to know have you ever been brought in to a project where they said we just want everything in the cloud <laughs> yes and then 10 minutes later they've decided no we actually want any everything on premise instead and it's like well you've already got everything on premise oh no but we want them all in on premise in hyper virtualized environments uh, okay, I want a hypervisor. Sorry, environments. All right, okay. So you want them? In, so you realise that your developers are now going to be working on Hyper-V and Docker won't work in in that environment, even though you've made that hard decision, don't you? Oh, right. Okay, so it's back to desktops. Oh, actually, could we do this instead? But they've already made strides, you know, and signed off budget and license for for the. It, it's changing constantly, and, and you realise down the line that it's not a suitable solution, and you have to write it off. Sometimes a yeah. project gets cancelled because of that, but sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it just stays there, and you figure yes. the problem out. Yeah, and it, for those of you who are dealing with scope creep at the bottom of the barrel, we are the one who has to deal with all of the programming for that scope creep. Um, get it in writing when you constantly say to them, no, we don't have the time, or no, we don't have the resources, or no, we don't have the budget. And make certain that they say, well, you have to do it anyway, because that can actually help you out in the future when you try to do a retrospective and prove why your team is behind. It's not your fault. It is the fault of the people controlling you. Get everything in writing. It's also not about them versus us either. It's about working as a team. No. And that's a problem a lot of the time you have a it toxic is. environment where you can't work as a team very well. Or the person doesn't understand or they really think they know better than you do. There mm. are people who genuinely believe that they know more or better than you about a product a service or something you're trying to develop and I mean, for better or for worse you're stuck dealing with them we all know that's not possible when i'm involved but it's apart from you know apart from the obvious it's uh... well chris everyone knows that you're perfect hey i got that in finally yeah, right rtfm rtfm time i think yes yeah so Wonder RTFM is basically our chance to vent about frustrations and things like this and get it off our chest. It could be about development or it could have nothing to do with development. However, Chris apparently has a very good RTFM today. So what is it? So say, for example, you were my um, employee. You were my developer in my company. Okay. And I said to you, um, we don't have a company bank account. We don't have a company credit card. Um, we're still paying you. Don't know where he's there. He's, you're getting paid, and you, you've been paid for years and years. But um, we need to sign up to this new service. Uh, it's absolutely and utterly required. Can you please use your credit card to pay for this service? What would your res what would your response be to me as your employer? If we had a very good relationship, it would be sure. Really? If at 
Yeah. But then again, remember who you're talking to here. So this is the person who goes out of the way to try to help. What would you? I will hold on. Let me let me finish with my stipulations. It would also depend on the cost. That that was my next point. So what would you say if the cost right now is two hundred pounds? Just year. flat. Oh. Two hundred pounds per year. Two hundred pounds per year. You could claim it back on expenses as well. You know, okay. I'm, not, I'm not expecting Again, you to pay I, if, it. If I could, if I could claim it back on expenses, it would depend on what it is in specific. The reason why I say that is because if it is just something like, oh gosh, I don't know, a calendar type of a tool or something like that fine. But if I'm storing personalized, identifiable information of individuals that could have an impact on GDPR or something like that, he'll know. All right, you're thinking about it a bit too detailed here. I just wanted the salient facts of, <laughs> right, it costs you $200. Well, see, it depends. <laughs> no, yes. no, the, the, I, I'll tell you the answer, Jules. The answer is what Tooltep has just said in chat is an absolute it be no. no. Because as yes. an employee, you should not be paying for anything that the company relies on. So this is a process tool yeah. in particular uh, I'm talking about. So, would... Well, see, that's the thing. You, we have to remember who I am as an individual. Yes. So forget about <laughs> you being you. I'm talking, that's why me. I tried to set the scene the, of you being be my stoked. employee. Yeah. Okay. That's, so you are my well, employee. Yeah. You're then, working then, for yes, me. The answer I, would have been no. I pay your bills. I pay your wages. You do not pay the company bills. Now, the reason yeah. that this annoys me so much, this particular scenario, is that it's not just... You, you, Josie might have some savings, right? She might have a, a little bit of money spare to, to be able to budget this. £200 a year or whatever it is, is okay for the, that particular individual. But what happens when you need to increase that because you get more users in this particular system and it goes up to two grand uh. a year? An expensive system, an right, exp right? Well, and then on top of that as well, you've also got, as a company, an additional risk here that says, um, right, so you, you there's, a, there's a potential embarrassment factor when it comes to the employee. If the employee comes back and says, oh, I can't afford it this month or I can't afford it this year because whatever has gone on, or they've got a gambling problem, or it could be absolutely anything. That adds an additional risk to your business. Now, that's a genuine it thing. It, you might say yes now, but that doesn't mean that a year or two years down the line, while you have agreed with the company that you're paying this, this fee and then getting a reimbursement, that you can always afford that. It puts an additional strain on the employee's um, wage, uh, not wages, uh, employee's finances. It makes them, you, heavily reliant on the employee as well. So from both sides, it can potentially be... It's a very bad risk. Absolute nightmare. I work with startups. That's, yeah. why, <laughs> that's why the answer is no. As a company, it be, no. start up or not, it doesn't matter. If I'm a I, company, I if, if you ask me as a company, as a contractor, yes, but there will be an administrative charge on top of that because oh, I need yeah. to do invoicing and forwarding, you know, rebilling and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. But that's a business relationship and it's contractual, Contractual, it's fine. When it's an employee, that employee, the only the only dependency that your employee has on you is, is that you pay the wages for a return of service. Yeah. No financial. Apart from that, the, the only finance that should happen is one way and that is paying their wages and paying expenses if they occur. But that is not an expense, that is a business cost that should be paid directly by the company. If, if, if that's the thing, you know, if it's all users and absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. My, my answer is my answer and people don't be me. Just don't be me. Um, but yes, 
So I'm assuming that in this particular case, your TFM is setting up a situation where an employee is responsible for business costs and that just gets your goat. It's not gets my goat. It's absolutely hideous when I think about the actual the actual expectation of a company doing mm. that. And, and I have come across this situation. and I've seen it before. It is absolutely and utterly unprofessional and just not acceptable. It's not an acceptable way to do things. You cannot rely on an employee unless they are a stakeholder, director, or somebody who is financially responsible. Now, you can reply on it, rely on an employee, yeah. an administrative staff member, to pay that on behalf of the company with the company's funds, but not from their own bank, from their own personal funds. That's the distinction I'm making here. And that does get hap that does happen occasionally. People get asked to do these things, and sometimes they say yes because they're like you, and they don't think maybe about the actual implications of what happens when something happens, I have a healthcare crisis or something and I need to spend my savings and I don't have any buffers. What happens when, it could be anything. It well, doesn't see, matter. This, it's not the, this co is the company's concern. the thing I concern. would say. If, if there is somebody out there who is like me, who is overly helpful when they really shouldn't be, there is a, a stipulation that you can always throw into things. And, and that literally is just this once. Nope. I, I, hey, I know people should say no, but I also know there are people like me out there who are overly helpful, and they don't know how to draw those lines. That, that's the thing is, I'm here to tell them how to draw these lines. There's not very often that I tell people how things are. This is an unacceptable business practice, and it yeah, needs to... I, it, I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but it is. it's just not... A thing to do because it puts so much would stress. Never want to go out of pocket for the company they work for. I'm. I, I will state that I. Most people I know would never go out of pocket for the company they work for. But it's, they it's, might for the team that they're on, but they will never do so for the company as a whole. And what I mean by for the team is they might go out and buy lunch for everybody one day, and that's out of pocket for a team. Yeah. But not for the tools, not for things like that. Like, I don't know anybody who would actually, actually do that. Now, in my case, my I have to clarify this answer because I feel really bad now because I know how serious your statement is with this. The places where I have said yes, it's usually because I know the person and I've known them for a very, very long time. So... But never mix business with pleasure. If you know that person, they're obviously a friend of some description. And if you start mixing the business side of things with the pleasure side of things, when or if, I say or if, because normally it's a when, when something goes wrong there, that is no longer a friendship and that becomes sticky and funky. Well, true. This is also where you draw the lines and you become the stakeholder involved in the things that are there. Hmm. You know, if you're going to throw finances at something you become a viable stakeholder oh, in yeah. that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, anyway. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go into any more that's, specifics. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all the thing. Yeah. My RTFM is uh, pretty simple. It's uh, I cannot stand it when I am using a system and it doesn't log the errors that I want it to log, even though I've told it to. So I end up with situations where things are happening oddly on servers without any form of information to help me figure out what is going on. 
So uh, people who develop software, please make certain in some way, shape, or form, you either have something that leaves a log, some kind of trace, stack trace, I don't care. Just give me something to yep. work with. I've, I've been, again, looking at software recently that, that hasn't had sufficient logging. It's had a little bit, but not sufficient, considering it's an extremely complicated piece of software. No outputs for error. You know, if it only catches certain errors and outputs them occasionally, if it's being programmed, there's not actually a catch-all unexpected error type <laughs> logger you know uh, it's like oh, what's going on why and it's breaking on third-party devices and you've got no idea why it's broken up. I, I can't stand that I, no. I i need that information but yes we're at the end of our show massive thank you to everybody who has joined us live and our recording from Tultepe, who has joined us from the lightning reaches of the moose country in norway to Anvina, who is over there in the lowlands under sea level and of course to everybody else who is listening as well in the future so we have a website www.dnistream.live go visit it find links to our past podcasts see our social media channels, and use it to get in touch with us. Write to us. Tell us how horrible we are. Tell us how good we are. Get feedback to us. Hell, share a dev story, and even say, I want to be on the show. We'd love to have you join us so we can talk about dev, IT, freelancing, consulting, I-35. <laughs> we will have an I-35 show, and people will be bored to death. <laughs> I don't know with how heated you get oh, on the subject I, matter. Oh, there's, honestly, you oh. think I'm bad. I've recently started um, on LinkedIn, the contractor calculator.co.uk guy, the CEO of that of that website. He added me. I, I think I said something IR35 related on there. And he added me every, every five seconds. It's it's really, really heated kind of, right, we need to stop this legislation change. And this is why. And this is why. You, go and speak to your MP. And, oh, it's like... Great. I actually sent him a message to try and get him on the show, but he's blanked me. So <laughs> I think he's too busy with his, he does lots of interviews and, and stuff. So you mm. never know, he might respond at some point when he's uh, he's not so busy. Um, so yes, Maybe. you can. Speaking of our website, you can see our source code on github.com forward slash DNI stream. Uh, the issue board on there is now linked to our Discord as well. And the do we do occasionally have a little bit of action on there. Um, if you've got any kind of suggestions for the website, you want to do any work on it, you want to get involved and learn a bit of .NET Core, a bit of Angular, a bit of a bit of anything that's on there, a bit of Bootstrap, maybe look at Font Awesome, look at anything, any of the packages that we got on there. I'm more than willing to get involved and and help people. I have done a few streams as well recently, um, and yes, uh, we I started to do a, a, a first development stream a few weeks ago. And I don't think it's there anymore. I haven't uploaded it anywhere. So sorry, you missed out. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt our show club because Toltefe says at least you don't have my log problem where you have to send them to the manufacturer to decode oh, God. Binary, binary files. files. Oh, anyway, ouch. So yeah. keep your eye on our Twitter account at DNI Stream. Come hang out in Discord, discord.dnistream.live. Go to YouTube, youtube.dnistream.live. And th finally, thanks to Josie, our podcast is now available on almost every discovery platform on the planet. Uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Castro, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, you can use any of those platforms to subscribe to us. Or you can just go on our website, Always a good place to go. We will see you guys next week when we have a guest joining us to talk about some crazy stuff. Hello, Super Fraggle. And just saying goodbye to everyone. Hello and goodbye. <laughs>
Um, but yes, we want to, we hope to see you guys all next week for our live stream, our live recording of our podcast Thursday, 7 p.m. UK time, twitch.tv slash DNI stream. And next week is going to be fun. Why? I've forgotten who I've booked. Who have we got on? It's one of my <sighs> friends, isn't it? Oddly enough, oddly enough, it is one of your friends. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it'll be good. I'm sure it will be. We'll we'll have someone else to talk to, and it won't just be us two wittering on and trying to entertain you. So, I I I I am actually going to just smile and say, we have a gorgeous lady joining us next week. Oh, not one of my friends. <laughs> well, she you know, not, should be. Not, She's you, awesome. You, you know what I mean. I didn't mean I didn't like her. Right, anyway. Yeah, yes. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you Bye. later. Bye. <laughs> Scope.